Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week three of our family series entitled It's Just a Phase, and this week we are led by our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott. Pastor Jared will be preaching from Mark and Deuteronomy as we look at what it means to fight for the heart. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, Christ Church. It's great to uh, be here again as we continue in this series, It's Just a Phase. My name is Jared Ott, and it's wonderful to be able to go through this this series. We've been in it for a few weeks. Dr. Ed Glover is going to be here next week. And Jamie's going to wrap it up in two weeks as we embark upon a new series coming up um, in February. But it's a powerful series as we go through it. It's not just about, as we've been saying, it's not just about the fact that if you have kids, it's about us as a community, as believers in this church, to the awesome responsibility we have to raise up our, the students and young people at our own church. So with that, let me pray for us this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. I thank you that you've given us the responsibility as not only parents, as grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, but as a community of believers, this awesome responsibility to raise the next generation. Lord, you don't just have us do this without instruction, but Lord, you give it to us in your word, and so we thank you for that. We thank you for guiding us through this such a pivotal thing in life that we do, this raising of children. Lord, we all have a part. Whether we have them or not, we all have a part because we lead by example. So, Lord, help us to lead by example here today. And, Lord, I pray that you speak to me, speak to us. Lord, that you impress upon us the message you want us to hear and that we won't just be hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of it as well. I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. No matter what season of life you're in, whether you have kids or not or grandkids, we, we learn that it's just a phase over the past few weeks that we want to take advantage of it. We don't want to just survive the phase. We, we don't want to miss the phase. We want to take advantage of every phase we have. And some of us are older and we have kids, we have grandkids, and we've, we've learned a lot. And I'm sure that there's always lessons to be learned about children. In fact, they asked an elderly man who had nine kids, who also had kids, who had grandkids, and he even had some great-grandkids. They said, man, you must have learned a lot about raising children. So they said, what have you learned? He said, well, the older I get, the more I learned about myself. He said, I become more mellow in life. He said, when my firstborn swallowed a dime, I called an ambulance. When the last one swallowed a dime, I told him it was coming out of his allowance. We learn things as we get older, don't we? We also learn as we get older, whether we have, we have kids of our own, we learn that we, our parents, weren't so dumb after all. That the, that the rules that they had put in place weren't so bad. That they were really there trying to protect us. We learn those things, don't we? I think if you're a young person right now and you're in here, you may think, well, my parents are making some pretty, pretty bad rules that I don't like. I'm telling you what, kids, parents love you and they want what's best for you. And we learn that as we get older. In fact, a while back, I, was, I read an article in a family life journal. And the title of this, of this article was called Meanest Parents in the World. And I thought, Fantastic. My sister finally wrote an article about my family. No. But it was called Meanest Parents in the World. Because I thought my parents had a lot of rules. And growing up, I thought, some of these rules I don't know if I like. But this is what the article said. 
It says, we have the meanest parents in the world. While all, all other kids ate candy for breakfast, we had to have cereal, eggs, and toast. When others had Pepsi and a Twinkie, we had to eat sandwiches for lunch. And can you guess our parents fixed us dinner that was different from the other kids too? Our parents insisted on knowing where we were at all times. You'd think we were convicts in a, in a prison. They had to know who our friends were and what we were doing. They insisted that if we were going out for an hour, that we'd be home in, in less than an hour. We were ashamed to admit it, but they had the nerve to break the child labor laws by making us work. We had to wash the dishes, make our beds, learn to cook, vacuum the floor, do laundry, and all sorts of cruel things. I think my parents laid awake at night thinking of more things for us to do. Sickening. They always insisted on us telling the truth, nothing but the truth. By the time we were teenagers, they could actually read our minds, too. Life was really tough. They wouldn't let our friends just honk the horn either. They had to come to the door so they could meet them. While other friends could date when they were 13, we had to wait till we were 16. Because, our parents, because of our parents, we missed out on a lot of other things our other kids experienced. None of us had been caught shoplifting, vandalizing property, or even arrested for a crime. It was all their fault. We never got drunk, took up smoking. We never stayed out all night or other million things kids did. We had the meanest parents in the world. Sundays were reserved for church. We never missed one. We knew better than to ask to spend the night at someone's house on Saturday. Now that we've left home, we are all God-fearing, educated, honest adults. And we are doing our best to be mean parents just like our parents were. The world just doesn't have enough mean parents anymore. You know, as well, <laughs> yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I don't, yeah, you certainly can clap for that. I don't know who wrote it, but... It, you know, it's one of those things where we, as we grow up, we think that our, the, the rules that our parents have are tough. And when we realize we're older, we act like our parents. And this passage this week that we just read from Mark, this is a tough week for me because I, I looked at that passage and I wonder, how does that relate when we read that Jesus is talking about love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? How does that relate how does that relate to raising kids? How does that relate to us as a community? And then I realized that, you know, Moses spent his whole life trying to get the people of Israel to obey his, the rules, right? There's stories after stories of Moses battling their will. Parents, you know what that's like. Grandparents, we know what that's like. And then I realized something profound about this passage. You know, Jesus quotes this passage in Mark, as we just had. It's also in Matthew and in Luke. But Jesus is quoting Moses, going back to Moses in Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Then I realize what happened in Deuteronomy 6 is important because you find out what happens in Deuteronomy 5. What happens in Deuteronomy 5? The Ten Commandments. So Moses just gets down with the Ten Commandments and has all these rules that God has given him, and then he goes into Deuteronomy 6 and says, love the, Lord with all your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbors as yourself. You love God first. That's the first five commandments. It's all about a relationship with God. Then we love others. It's all uh, commandments 6 through 10 is all about a relationship with others. In other words, you can't follow God's commands. You can't follow God's rules if first you don't love him first and then love your neighbor as yourself. And then I thought, you know, this is profound for parents as we 
as we talk to our kids, as grandparents, as we, as we talk to our kids. The idea of obeying God's law, obeying what he says in his word, is all about love for him, isn't it? What Moses is saying is he's, he's saying, listen, they were in the wilderness saying, listen, God's not going to give up on us. We have the taste of the promised land. We can trust him. We can love him so we can follow his commands because we do trust him. When we talk to our own children, we say, listen, you trust us. We love you. These rules are in place for you. The question I have for you this morning is, are you fighting for the hearts of your children and your grandchildren? Because I'm telling you right now, God is fighting for your heart as well. You see, we can't even begin to follow, not only be a good parent, but we can't even begin to follow what God says in his word if we first don't have the love for him to follow. You see, if you want to pass on a legacy to the next generation, you, it's got to be transferred relationally. We've got to fight for their hearts. Anytime you pass down rules or practices, or truths, outside the context of a genuine love, what you're doing is establishing an empty religion that leads to all kinds of abusive and rebellious things. I'll give you an example. There was a story, true story, not a joke, true story. Many years ago, a Jewish boy asked his father, why must we surrender our Jewish faith to a start and start attending a Lutheran service here in Germany. So the father, who was Jewish, said, we're going to abandon the Jewish faith, and we're going to go to a Lutheran church, and the son wanted to know why. And the, the father replied, son, we must abandon our faith so that people will look at us and accept us because of our works. The young lad never got over his disappointment and bitterness. His faith in his father and his religion were crushed. When that lad left Germany, he went to England to study at the British Museum where he formed his own philosophy of life. And from those philosophies, he wrote a book that changed the world. The book was called The Communist Manifesto. The child was Karl Marx. And the world fell under that spell for 70-some years. It imprisoned people. It confused people. That stream is now crumbling. But it started because some father wanted to establish rules that were a, r- a ritual, a religion that you have to. And, it, and what happens is, is it becomes a rebellion. That's what the Pharisees were doing. And the Pharisees approached Jesus. They were following the law. They wanted to be good. They wanted people to look at them. They wanted to do good works. We just read that as a, our passage for this morning as we come to the communion table. What must we do to be good? Jesus is saying, listen, it has nothing to do with being good because you can't be perfect. So you're going to realize that you have sin. We all have sin and come short of the glory of God. But that's why I'm here. I come to pay that penalty for you. You see, what Moses was doing in Deuteronomy is he's drawing a circle around the entire faith of the people. And what he's doing is he's, he's saying, listen, you were rebellious people, but God's not going to give up on you. He, you were captive with the Egyptians. Now you're in the wilderness, and now you're eventually going to be in the promised land. So God's going to do exactly what he says he's going to do. He loves you. He's not going to give up on you. He's fighting for your heart. So you can trust him with everything. You can trust him with your whole heart with your whole mind and with all your strength. That's why we can follow the laws that he's given us because he's God. He's saying to the Israelites, Moses is saying, listen, he's not a God to fear anymore. He's a God to love. And that's the same thing for us as parents. We say, listen, children, we love you. We want to raise you and we set rules, we set standards 
And we want to love you. We want you to trust us with these things. It's not because there's, they're ritualistic. We've got to fight for the hearts of our kids. Some of us have given up on fighting for the hearts of our children. Some of us are battling our children every day. Some of you battled your children on your way in. I've never been in a situation where I've explained the rules to my children so perfectly well that my children said, you know what, Dad, you're right. You explained that rule so good. I'm going to do that. No, they do it because they trust us, because we convey love to them. It's not that parents shouldn't give answers to the rules, but the most powerful thing a parent can do is learn to communicate in a style that values the relationship. You know, Moses was facing the same problem with the Israelites, the disobedience that was there. He's saying, listen, God's not going to give up on you. He loves you. You can trust him. And that's what we have to say to our own children. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your grandchildren. Don't give up on your nieces and nephews that have gone astray. You've got to realize that you've got to fight for their heart. Moses is saying, listen, you are part of a bigger story. God is actively involved in that story. God can always be trusted. No matter how rebellious you are, God is going to pursue you. He's going to go after your heart. You know, every generation has been dealt with parents trying to battle the will of their child, especially as they get older, as you've seen that video the first video was the the baby and the next video last week was the toddler. Now we're kind of in the preteen years. Always battling the will of our children. Some of you would say, my children are terrible. There are other children that are just as bad. In fact, I, I was told once that the main purpose of parents holding children's parties every generation is to remind ourselves that there are children more, more awful and disobedient than your own. We have those parties, right? We go, well, at least our kid's not that bad. But we battle their wills. So how do we get past it? We develop a relationship that's built on trust, that we love them, we battle, and we fight for their hearts. Parents need to understand that. Parents need to understand that it, it's, not just, it's not just about giving the rules and following the rules. It's about love. It's the same thing with us as a faith community. When we look at God's word, it's not about rituals. It's not about rules. It's not about coming to church so everybody can see us or, or giving so everybody can see us. We do it out of love. We do it out of love. You see, it's easy to focus on a child's needs to earn trust than to actively pursue our needs to build trust as a parent. We can't stop fighting. Moses knew when he came down with the Ten Commandments, and then he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbors as yourself. He knew that parents, he was talking to parents, and if he could get parents to set a good influence for the next generation, that that would trickle down. That kids would understand, hey, listen, it's about love. We're going to follow God's rules. It's about love. It's about trust, because God's not going to give up on us. That's fighting for the heart. And that's where love comes in. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to God's word, when you read it and study it, when it outlines various attitudes and beliefs that we should have, do you want to follow them? If not, it's, it's maybe a heart check time saying, hey, listen, do I really trust God? Do I really trust him that he wants the best for me? We're going to come during those Wednesday Lent services 
and touch on a very tough subject, the Sermon on the Mount. We call it beautiful attitudes, the Beatitudes. Because those are some hard attitudes that we need to have as we examine our own lives. But the key with that is, is in order to have those attitudes, we've got to have a first genuine trust and love for God. Otherwise, it won't happen. Otherwise, we'll do it ritualistically, and it'll end up fading and dying. And that's what Jesus comes to when we come to this passage here in Mark. Jesus comes to this passage, and Pharisees are trying to get them to do the same thing. They're ritualistic. They're trying everybody to look at them, who they are, following the law, and they say, hey, Jesus, which one's the best law? And Jesus goes right back to Deuteronomy and says, the best one's this. This is the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, when I look at that verse, and it'll come up on the screen, I always wonder, and we've touched on it before, what does it really mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? You know, some people look at that verse, and many people would say that's what they call the all command because of the four words, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You couldn't do it individually. In other words, you can't serve two masters. Jesus is saying, listen, you can't, you can't focus on one of those above the other. But what does it mean to really love God? If we're going to follow what he says in his word, if we already established that he's going to lay out rules, and then we're going to follow him because we trust him, because we love him, how do we really love? This is what it looks like. First, you've got to love God with all your heart. How do you love God with all your heart? Psalm four, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 4 is a great verse. That, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do. Everything you do, everything you say, everything you think, everything you do, it flows from a heart that loves God. Not only it's your heart, but we love God with all our soul as well. You see, the soul adds the emotion into it, doesn't it? Soul is the, soul is the emotions and the passions we have. Matthew 26 says this, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. You may say, well, how, how can you love God with, with all your heart but not your soul? How can you love him with your whole heart but not your emotions? Well, I can tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like what happened with Mary and Martha. You see, in Luke 10... Jesus gives the same command. It's, it's outlined again in Luke 10. Right after Luke 10, it's the Good Samaritan. Right after the Good Samaritan, it goes to Mary and Martha. And what's happening? You remember the story. Martha is putting all the stuff together, all the work that needs to happen for the Lord. So she's getting all this meal ready, and she sees Mary out there at the feet of Jesus. And she says, Lord, don't you care? Do you not care that I'm in here in the kitchen? Tell my sister to help me. And then Lord responds to her this, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Only, indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, Martha really loved the Lord, that's for sure. But her problem is her emotions didn't show it. She got really frustrated because there she was doing all the work, and nobody's recognizing the work. Nobody's there to help her do that. Listen, Martha was a wonderful woman. In fact, we need Marthas here in the church, the, the workers that, that say, hey, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the stuff in, either in the cafe or work with the children or be in the, in the technical area or be ushers or greeters. We're going to go on missions. We're going to use our gifts. Martha had the gift of hospitality. Where Martha failed is that she elevated the mission above the master. What she would say is, listen, I love the Lord, but I want, I, my emotions don't show it. I'm so frustrated because people can't see what I'm doing. 
My hope is that when we get involved in various serving things here at the church, when we present opportunities for you, that we do it because of a love for God, not so anybody could see it. Not because we want the praise or the glory, because that's where our emotions come out, don't they? Not because we're frustrated that other people have gifts that we don't. Uh, I don't get frustrated that Pastor Marcus has the gift of music and I don't. I say, praise God for that. That the choir can sing the way that they can sing. I say, praise God for that. What a beautiful sound they can give. I don't get frustrated with that because I know that they love the Lord. I love the Lord, but he's given me different gifts. And so my emotions I keep in check to say, okay, those are their gifts. God's given me gifts. That's how you love them with all your heart. And that's how you love them with all your soul. And then we move them into the next phase. How do we love them with all our mind? Psalm 119 says this, give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. David's saying, listen, how can, you got to give me understanding, God. you got to tell me what you want me to do so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. You know, one of the things that we have uh, opportunities for so much here at the church and why we do it is all our Bible studies, our small groups that Bob Mason organizes, our Christian education that happens on Sunday morning. Why? Because we want you to know what God is saying so that we can obey him. We got to know, we got to keep it in our minds what's happening because that's how we know who he is. That's how we grow in our knowledge of him so that we can go out and serve him. We know, we grow, and we go. Isaiah was woken up you look at Isaiah 50, morning by morning, Isaiah was woken up by God just to be taught. Oh, man, that would be awesome. He was so desperate to hear God's voice. Some of you are so involved in small groups and Christian ed and Bible studies. You're growing. We want to encourage you to, to grow in your knowledge of him. That's why we have opportunities throughout the week, whether in small groups, whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's Bible studies here happening throughout uh, the week. So many Bible studies, so many things happen. Why? Because it's important that we don't just love them with all our soul and our emotions, but we have it in our minds of how to do that. But we've got to put it into practice, don't we? And that's where we love them with all our strength. You see, it's easy to have all the knowledge of who God is, but if we don't apply it, it becomes a problem. It becomes a problem. I was talking this week with, with a teacher Lunch with a teacher, great, great person, and great person of, of faith, too. And one of the things he was saying, I said, what's the challenge of being a teacher? He said, the challenge of being a teacher to these young people is that I've got to teach them, but I've got to give them opportunities to respond to it. I, there's got to be a practicality to it. As a teacher, my thing is knowledge. But I've I, I got to remember that there's a practical side to when they go out into the world. And he said, I was reminded of that when I was in the seminary. And he said, he went to seminary and he said, he and a bunch of other guys were studying theology and who God was. And he said, they were really deep into study and there was all this noise going out in the hallway. And they were getting so frustrated. He said he was getting so angry because they were making all this noise. There was a woman who was, who was crying. Then there was a guy talking. And then they were laughing and giggling. He was getting so frustrated. And he went out in the hallway to tell them to be quiet. And he went out in the hallway and he, he said he saw this woman hugging the janitor. And he said, well, what's going on here? Can you guys keep it down? So they proceeded to tell him the story that this woman had just gone through an emotional turmoil, and she was bawling. And there was nobody in the seminary there to help, except a janitor, who came up and said, I'll pray with you. So he laid his hands on her, and they prayed for minutes on end. 
And she said she just felt this burden lift off her. And she was so excited that she just gave him a hug and they were laughing and giggling. And he said he felt so convicted because there he was trying to study theology and who God was, but he didn't apply it out in the hallway. See, we can go through the studies all day until we apply it. Until we apply it, it's just head knowledge. And that's where Jesus is saying here, you've got to love him with all your strength as well. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, that we love him with all our strength, that we use our abilities, our gifts, whether we're volunteering here or doing other things. As Pastor Barry mentioned, yesterday was a great men's breakfast, and Mike Davis, our men's ministry director, read a, read a note from Choices Pregnancy Center. Choices had a huge need. There was somebody um, associated with the ministry there that had pipes burst, and they, they contacted the men's ministry, and some of the men went and fixed the pipes. They had the ability to do that, and so they read a thank you note to Christ Church at Grove Farm. How powerful is that? That's using our strength, our ability. But you have to understand in the Aramaic when Jesus spoke this that this word strength is actually translated as wealth. So you say, well, is it strength or is it wealth? They're both pointing the same direction. Because what Jesus is saying is that it's, it's, you've got to use everything at your disposal for God. All available means to honor God. It's not just about your abilities. Some of us have wonderful gifts. Some of us have the financial means. Some of us have unique gifts. We got to use them all for God. Everything we have available for honoring God. And that's how we have the fullness of loving God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Once we do that, we look at the commands and go, you know what? We can do those things. Because it's not about the rules. It's we do them because we love God. We can trust them. And parents, as you're talking to your kids, it's a wonderful thing to mimic and show them that we follow God's rules because of our love and trust for him, that they can follow ours because of their love and trust for us. We lead by example, don't we? We lead by example in showing them how much we love our Lord Jesus. And that's why we're going to come to the communion table here in a minute. And as we prepare our hearts for that, as we come to that table, I want to encourage you, not only parents, grandparents, family members, but as a church, we need to be a community that shows our children, the next generation, that we love God, that we love them with everything that we have. You know, I was reminded this week when I was going through this, when it talks about Jesus being the good shepherd, right? It says he goes after his sheep. Do you ever wonder why he uses sheep and not lambs? Why doesn't Jesus says, I go after the lambs? He says, no, I go after the sheep. It's because he knows that the lambs are going to follow the sheep, right? He's going to make sure the sheep are, are in line and safe and protected because he knows that the sheep are there, the lambs are going to follow them. We are the sheep. Those next generation of kids are the lambs. We set the tone. We set the example. Are you setting the example in how you love our God. Moses understood something even more important we should never forget. Our capacity to love our children and family is linked for our love for God. In other words, you want to love your children beyond capacity? Then you've got to learn to love God. God's love is more powerful, more trustworthy than your love as a parent. Your strength, your desire to love your children the right way starts with learning how to love God the right way. You want to learn to love them the right way? It's with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength. 
in all our minds. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that you teach us in your word as we talk to our children, as we raise them. Lord, you set the perfect example of how we are to follow your guidelines, your rules, how we are to obey and follow you. It's not about rituals. It's about our love for you because we can trust you because you've never given up on us. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for fighting for our hearts every single day. That no matter how bad or rebellious we are, that you keep coming after us. That you keep saying, hey, I'm here. I died for you. I just want you to have a relationship with me. Put your faith, put your hope, put your trust in me. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that example. Help us to lead by example as well as we do the same thing and model that to the next generation. We thank you for the awesome responsibility we have. Lord, I pray that our children in this community can see our love for you and help us to do that now as we come to your table and remember what you did for us on the cross. Be with us in the moments ahead. And I ask all this in your precious name.